I'm glad that you have made an effort to be here, and I'm glad for those who are tuning in that you have made the effort to listen to the message that hopefully will guide us to a closer walk with one another, and more importantly, a closer walk with God. The devotionals for this month are on the shelf out there. It is one that I have looked forward to for a long time. Janine has told me the whole year, I would like you to do a devotional series on the life of Paul. And so for 30 days, we're going to look at every single detail, everything you've wanted to know about the Apostle Paul, from the time he was a little baby till the end of his life. Look at how happy she is knowing that. <laughs> it's fun. It's a lot, of, a lot of work, but it's fun to do it. Not only in the written form, but it is also available on our Facebook and eventually on our YouTube page as well. If I were to tell you that you do not need God to be successful in this life, what would you think? You'd say, what did he say? He's standing in the pulpit and saying, you don't need God to be successful in this life? That's true. It's absolutely true. G. Brian Benson, award-winning and number one best-selling author of Habits for Success, Inspired Ideas to Help You Soar, a coach, a TEDx speaker, and radio personality, actor, and four-time Ironman triathlete. I was lucky to get up and make my own oatmeal this morning. <laughs> then I remember I had eggs. He said, since then I have come to realize that success isn't defined by money, job status, or keeping up with the Joneses. Success simply means that you are showing up, attempting to move forward, and open to the self-growth process. In my book, if you do that, you are a success. And that's true. I'm not going to argue with anything that he said there except for the part about the Ironman triathlete. I'm not going to attempt that this year. Or take what Paige Arnoff Fenn said, founder and CEO of Mavens and Moguls. Staying true to my core beliefs, that is success. She says success is very personal, so your definition will be and should be different than mine. To me, growth for growth's sake is meaningless. But profitable growth with interesting clients solving important problems is what keeps me engaged and excited. She has a different definition of success. And on and on it goes. I could give you the website for that for 34 different people who are successful in this life and what they say success is and what made them successful. Not one of those, with one exception, said anything about God. Completely whitewashed of anything of God. Except for one, someone you might recognize, Dave Ramsey, included faith in success. So, you could look at that and say, let's see, 33 out of 34, so about 96% of those said that success had nothing to do with God, but things as they defined it. 
success. For what does it profit a man, Jesus said, if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? That's an interesting question. What does it profit us if we have all that the world says is success? And I have nothing against success. I think success is a great thing. But in the end, the success that I want to achieve is to hear those golden words that shall come, enter in, good and faithful servant. That is success. But you and I can have success in many different ways in this life. But I would like to give, and if you have your outline, you can follow along and see just how close I come to that outline. Five first steps to success. As we have read from the, or heard, if you follow along, you read from Proverbs chapter 3. The writer of the book of Proverbs, Solomon, is convincing his son. He says, my son, do not forget my teaching." He's going to tell what success is in this life. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days, years of life, and peace they will add to you. That is success. Length of days, years of life, and peace. Would you forfeit those for a big fat bank account? To be the owner and CEO of a large corporation, would you forfeit those for that? Would that be success to you? At the end of the day, to give up peace, length of days and years of life. Don't think about that. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? You see, as a Christian, we can have all of those things that those people who talked about what success is for them, you can have all of that. You really can. But if you don't have God, that is not success, according to God. So I have five first things that I'd like us to consider. The first is, give God the first hour of the day. The first hour of the day. I can tell you what my routine is as I get up. and There's just nothing I love more than to wake up and hear that lunch cooking at noon. You don't believe that, do you? Now, I'm not advocating everybody has to get up at a, at a very early hour. But whatever time you get up, and advocates will say that, boy, getting up early in the morning really works well. Well, it may, but it may not work for everyone. If you're working second and third shifts, boy, getting up early isn't going to work for you. But giving God the first hour, whatever that hour is, giving that first hour to God. My routine involves getting out of bed and finding the coffee maker. There's where I wander around. 
But the thing that I have found makes the biggest difference in my life is not turning the television on. It's not turning the radio on. It's not going to social media or anything else that gives me the world crowding in on me, first thing. My best days are when I give it to God, first of all. When I have a devotional in front of me, when I read God's word, that sets my day quite well. Verse 3 of Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Boy, that's the first thing. That really sets my day going. If you want an example, you might turn to Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, verse 35. This is speaking about Jesus. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. We don't read very much about Jesus' mornings. But we do read in this instance that he rose very early in the morning while it was still dark. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, 148, I rise, pardon me, verse 147 and 148, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words, my eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. That is starting off the day on the right foot. But it's a choice. But it's a choice that many have found to be the best first step in the day. The world is going to crowd in around us, and we're going to have to face the day. But facing the day, putting things in order the very first. If that means that you have to get up a few minutes early so that you're not always in a rush, that's your choice. But it'd be a good choice. Give God the first hour of the day. The next thing that I would say is the first is give God the first day of the week. We have seven days. All of us here have seven days in a week. Nobody has reinvented the week. We all have seven days. And we can work seven days a week as many hours as we can cram in. Amen? It's okay if you say amen on that one. We can. It's true. We can. But give God your first day of the week. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 4 says, So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Did you ever think about the influence that you make on your neighbors? the people you work with, the people you go to school with, your relatives, when they know, oh, we're not going to go over there first thing on Sunday morning. Why? Because they have made it a habit to attend the services on the first day of the week. Finding favor and good success in the sight of God and man. We think of Acts chapter 20 and verses 6 and 7, it's, it's always been a proof text of, that we gather on the first day of the week. 
Luke writes, beginning in verse 6, But we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. So that's the proof text that they gathered on the first day of the week. But I rather liked the part where it says, where we stayed for seven days. It was important for them not to be rushed, but to stay there until the first day of the week so that they could gather together as the church. We, of course, read in Mark chapter 16 and verse 1 and 2 and the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew where it talks about Jesus being raised on the first day of the week. The day of Pentecost was the first day of the week. Give God the first day of the week. Make it important in your life. Because again, we can schedule a lot of things to happen. And and we will. It's nice to have dinner with relatives. It's nice to have picnics. But it is imperative that we make it important. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We often hear that read in the context of the Lord's Supper. And Paul writes... In 1 Corinthians 11, prior to that, he says, But in the following instruction, I do not commend you, because when you come together, he's talking about the first day of the week, because they're going to take the Lord's Supper. When you come together is not for better, but for worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there's divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Over and over, Paul will use that term, when you come together. There's a lot of things that are pulling us not to come through these doors. But make it important to be here. Because God gave the very best so that we can come together and celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection at the Lord's Supper, to share in fellowship with one another, to share in the word, to start our week off well. The next one is to give God the first portion of your pay. It's been many, many months since I've talked about the contribution. I'm not talking about the contribution for the sake of the contribution. I'm talking about it here as a priority. The first. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. The first fruits. Malachi, the last book written in the Old Testament. There were several things that Malachi God had against him, and Malachi recorded. Verses 7 and 8 of Malachi 1. By offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? 
We could go to chapter 3 where it says, Will a man rob God? Rob me of your tithes and offerings. The first, not what we have left over, but what you have purposed. Because that's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16.2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there be no collecting when I come. In 2 Corinthians 9, verses 4 through 7. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and range in advance the gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Purposefully. So often I hear of people who give what's left over. I just can't give anything. And I can preach the gospel of prosperity very easily right now and tell you if you want to be wealthy you need to give and give and give but that's not what it's about we don't give so that we can become prosperous we give because God loves a cheerful giver we give because he gave the best for us but it's always been about the first fruits go back to the old law and study the old law it was the first it was the best not what was left over. Give the first hour. Give the first day. Give the first portion of your pay. Give God the first consideration in every decision. How many times do we do it just the opposite and find out we've made the wrong decision and then ask God, God, I really messed this one up. Can you help me fix this? Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Bring God into those decisions, every decision in your life. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Not just in some of those or every once in a while, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. First consideration. Have you thought about your decisions that you make each and every day? even down to, what route should I take to work today? It seems rather trivial, doesn't it? Where should I shop? Who should I meet today? But think of how different your life might be if every decision you made, you put into the hand of God to have your life led. If you're not doing it, Try it. As those in Malachi's day, 
God said, test me. Test me and see if I will not open up the gates of heaven and pour down upon you. The first consideration in every decision. And lastly, give God the first place in your heart. In your heart. Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That means that God guides everything that I do. He has the rule. Because when we made that good confession that Jesus is my Lord, he's my master, and he's my king, that means he has full authority over everything in my life. If I let him. You see, we are still people of free will. It's all by choice. But the choice that God gives us is one that is filled with blessings to give God first place in my heart. Not just for show, not just so that people could see, but deep down in my heart. And each of us knows how much of our heart we give to God. We really do. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, one of his prison epistles. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That means when we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, he gets credit. Everything that I do is reflected upon him because he is my master. He would continue on down in verse 23 of Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You see, that's the difference between those that I read in the beginning and what we are striving to do for God is that the things that they strove for were really of an earthly because I will feel good, I will do good. But here, Paul says, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. There's a big difference in that. Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And the reason that he tells this parable, he identifies in the very first verse, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, in that humbling ourselves, that means we put our lives in the hands of God. It is him that we are pleasing. It is him that we serve. It is him that we honor. The Pharisee was all about self. As we lay those ideals of success side by side, the world heralds success. The world loves success. The world loves to hear from people who are successful. And that's well and good. But what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For in that last day, when we are to give account of ourselves, and remember, that account's already been sealed, and we're told, go away, I never knew you. Is it then that we'll say, well, at least I had success in this world. How's that measure up? But to hear those words enter in good and faithful servant. That is success. And I have as a conclusion, what is first in your life? Right at the bottom of the outline. You don't have to answer to me. Answer that question for yourself. What is first in your life? How do you define success? Have you given the first part of the day to the Lord? Have you given the first day of the week? Have you given the first of what you earn to God? Have you given God the first consideration in every decision? And have you given God first place in your heart? Only you can answer that. But answer it we will before God one day. And so as we wrap up this lesson, and it is yours, the question remains for you to answer. Is who is first in my life? You know that within your own heart, who is first. You can look at your own life and the things that you do, and you know who is first in your life. As we end this lesson, and it is yours, we would urge each and every time that we gather together, whatever needs you may have, whatever decisions you must make, whatever changes you have to make, we stand ready to help in any way that we can to make sure that God is first in your life, that we all may go hand in hand into eternity together to worship and honor God. Whatever your need is, make it known as together we stand and sing. Be first, the King.